0: Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard another great edition of Sing Second Sports. I am John Schofield. Joining us is Ward Carroll, the co-host with the most and our special guest, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. Tonight, we are going to talk to you about Navy women's soccer, uh, a great win against Loyola of Maryland uh, in the Patriot League semis. We're also going to talk about men's gymnastics going to the NCAA uh, championships in Minnesota. We're also going to talk about what I think can be coined as a disappointing season for the men's and women's lacrosse uh, teams. Wags is going to break that down a little bit more. And then finally, we're going to see what's going on in the world of sports. Um, baseball is in full full pros. We're on the cusp of the NFL draft. So without any further ado, here we are. Um, last night, Wags and I were at Glenn Warner Soccer Facility, where the weather, again, was so nice. But... The outcome was even nicer um, in that the the Navy women's soccer team came out with a 1-0 victory against a really tough Loyola team in horrible conditions, as has been the norm lately. An absolute galazzo from Katie Herman, two R's, two N's. Um, She was absolutely wonderful. So was Christina Gengipanian. We're going to talk to both of them as well as uh, Navy women's soccer coach, Karen Gabara. But without any further ado, Wags, you were there, you were observing it. No one can say that you're a fair weather fan. You were out there in the worst of weather. What did you observe and what was so impressive
1: about this? Well, first of all, John, it was a great game and I really enjoyed it. It was great to be out there with you. Um, you know, the weather was, it wasn't terrible. It was a steady drizzle at, one point, it got a little heavier. Uh, Great uh, performance by Navy women's soccer. Controlled play. Kept the ball in the Loyola defensive end most of the game. Most of the dangerous chances came from Navy. And that goal by Katie Herman was just phenomenal. I mean, I was like, now I know why the guy goes, go! Because that's what I felt like doing. She took the pass, turned her back, and just did this pirouette and then just boom right into the upper 90 over the outstretched arms of the goalie right below the crossbar what a freaking goal but it was a galazzo she so the, the
0: we had a video of it uh before but i'm telling you the the possession went from the far left side came back to the middle at the top of the six yard and then the way that she turned and put it up into the upper slot was absolutely amazing and it energized them but that wasn't the most impressive part because I know that you observed that it was their work on the defensive end right
2: hold on top 10 play though on sports Center John top of 10 course
1: players.
0: it was as it should be as it should be
1: it, it was all a goal and and, and also uh, no we, we got to give props because at the end Loyola pressed the, the Navy goal they're trying to get the equalizer and Maddie Gallagher and let's First of all, recognize plebes. Katie Herman is a plebe. Maddie Gallagher, the starting goalie, is a plebe. And Loyola got an incredible opportunity following a direct kick. And Maddie Gallagher had to rise up and punch that ball over the crossbar. Tremendous save to preserve the victory. Karen Gabera was really pumped. And, you know, she's been around a long time. She's a Hall of Fame coach. Won a lot of games, and she was just pumped up about the effort of her players. She thought they dug deep and did a great job. I was so, I, I'm bummed that the championship game's not here in Annapolis because I wanted to go. I'm like, let's go. Sing Second Sports is going to be on it Saturday morning, but it's unfortunately up at Colgate with the Red Raiders in Hamilton. Are you going up to Hamilton, New York, John? I don't go to
0: Hamilton, New York, unless I'm told to by Commander Tammy Levitch, which is about 17 years ago. So I don't, I don't do that. But yes, as you alluded to, um, Colgate scored a goal right toward the end of time to beat BU. And since Colgate beat us in that absolute waterlogged joke of a game earlier in the year, we've got to now go up to Hamilton on Saturday, which is fine. We're going to beat them. It's all good. We're going to sing second. But it was super good um, to watch that and watch how many, and Karen made reference to this in, in her interview with you, WAGs, how many people were standing out there in a driving rainstorm, company officers, MIDS, parents, everyone. It was absolutely awesome. So speaking of MIDS and parents and supporters of the Naval Academy, it was also announced this past week that the commissioning week will go on as planned with two notable exceptions. Uh, Ring dance will not happen and Herndon will not happen, but I'll send it over to Ward, the resident Annapolitan with Ingrid, the most gorgeous puppy on the planet, um, on his lap. Ward, what does it mean both psychologically and just economically, because you're the economics expert for Annapolis, that commissioning week is happening? I know I myself, I am so happy that we're gonna have some measure of commissioning week because it's such a celebration for you. You've gone through it so many times. How big of a development is that?
3: Well, it's disappointing that we're not doing hern and, and ring dance because now this is two years in a row that classes will not have those signature events, but it's good that we're ha- having a commissioning week In some form, right? So, Blue Angels will fly, which is great because this will be the first time that we're able to see them with their new Super Hornets. Um, You know, this season they changed from the Legacy Hornet to the Super Hornet. So, excited to see what that show looks like, how it might be different. I know one thing, it'll be louder because the Super Hornet is a loud airplane. Um, And I think every graduate is allowed to have four guests, four, you know, significant others, family members, or whatever. So, that's that's a good development, but uh, missing, the as you've listed, Herndon and the ring dance is disappointing. Um, so I, I guess they'll never salvage it, right? There was some idea that the, this year's youngsters were going to do Herndon at some point. Um, so now what are they going to do? it? Well, so we'll have second class youngsters and plebes, the class of 25, will all do Herndon. In in three waves, I guess, at some point in the future.
1: I was just um, going to uh, ask about that because that, that that had been the plan was that there would be a double herndon with the youngsters and the plebes, and that you're right now there's going to be three classes
3: that need to do herndon. What do you think's going to happen, Ward? I I don't know. Right, unprecedented. Um, all, all I know with respect to the rites of passage. And I know Chris will back me up on this, that you're kind of still a plebe until you climb earned you know, um, like you're kind of still a mid until you throw your cover in the air. Um, you know, ring dance, uh, I guess you can get super technical and say, you need to dip your ring into the seven seas and all that sort of thing. And, um, my father-in-law took his, uh, you know, my mother-in-law to the ring dance. Uh, I, I didn't actually go to the to, to the ring dance, but um, certainly Herndon is a, a mandatory rite of passage, just like the tower jump. You got to do it. Um, so, you know, I, I think wags the, the, we're going to have to triple up now, you know, there's going to be some kind of a Herndon, a palooza coming up where, you know, one class will do it and you you know, grease it up again, and then the next class does it. And then you grease it up again, and the next class does it. Uh, you got to do it. I, to my eye, you can't graduate without having climbed earned it. You know, so, um, you know, I, I think we're just getting this, this sort of bottleneck going where it's 3x now. Um, I think they should do it in the fall. That, that's my suggestion, is
2: do the uh, two classes in the fall and then save the spring for
3: the plebs. Okay, I like it. I like it. Um, Thinking out maybe it could be course. well. I no, I like it. So maybe a homecoming event. Ah, that'd be right. Fantastic. So homecoming weekend, uh, you know, special thing. And so um, I, I agree. You got to do it. That's the bottom line. Is you've got to do it. I don't care if you're, you know, an upper class or what. You you've got to go through that rite of passage. So Chris and Ward to to Ward's point. Now, I'm not
0: necessarily sure how essential Herndon is to making a good officer, but we all know that summer training was called off last year. We don't know what summer training is going to look like this year. Do we think, now we know that the physical mission prepares midshipmen in a way that unlike any other, unlike was done for me at Villanova University or any ROTC program or OCS, this is where I'm an absolute shill for the service academies that the summer training regimen and that everything you go through at the service academies better prepares you for success in the fleet as opposed to your peers. So Chris and Ward as graduates, having not done YPs or summer cruises, do you think that we're reaching a point where operationally there might be a gap between what we expect MIDS to know and do and be able to accomplish and what they'll actually be able to do, based on the lack of training and lack of experiences that they've
2: had, maybe. Um, but I think the learning curve is so steep. Um, you know, it, it's the curve that allows different ROTC units to catch up with different ROTC units, and catch up with the academy, and catch up with OCS, and who was prior enlisted. So yeah, I mean, it, it's a little bit of risk that uh, that they're taking, and but. I think in in the long run they'll they'll be fine, and I think that's something that Admiral Buck and the Commandant and the folks in ProDev are doing the best that they can to mitigate. But I'm not I'm not really as worried about that. I, I am worried about not climbing Herndon. Um, that uh, that was a significant event. Um, in the life of a midshipman. It, it really was. I mean, that when you talk about teamwork and you talk about like coming together as a class, um, that, that was a big deal. Um, so I, I hope they get a chance to
3: do it towards point. Yeah, I agree with Chris. Hernan is one of those, it's like, it reminds you know, if, if someone's a list of five things that are the most challenging in your life, you know, top two would be Hernan and Sears School. You know, um, and, and Hernan was one of those things where you reach a point you're like, I don't think we can do this. You know, you actually go, we might not be able to do this. And you know, this is the teamwork, the class, class unity, the suck it up and you know, try again kind of thing. It was that fundamental to you know, officership and and stick to itness. So I, I think that that you, you got to do Hernan, And I again, I don't care if you're a second class. Technically, you got to do it. Um, the other thing with the question, John, um, with where are, is 20 and 21 potentially deficit? I would take what we've seen on the show with respect to the resilience and the other things the midshipmen have demonstrated to us in the year of our existence and stand your concern on its head and say, they have faced a very specific special challenge and risen above it. And so that's what they will leverage when they pin on the second lieutenant bars or their Ensign bars, uh, Ensign shoulder boards. And they will take that to the fleet in a way that Chris and I didn't have, you know? And so I, I think, yeah, you know, hanging out on an amphib at little Creek that's welded to the pier for a month. That's really important, which was my youngster cruise, you know, it was called leave at 1300 and go down to Virginia beach and hang out with these girls from, from Mary Washington. That was my youngster cruise, you know? So was that fun? Yes. Was it important training that I used later? Uh, kind of, I did, you know, scrub a, a D type boiler with a, with a wire brush and I got to be friends with the uh, enlisted guys and it was cool, but you know, it it didn't make me a better flight student. I'll tell you that it didn't make me a better Rio ultimately. Um, So missing that, you know, not all summer training is created equal. Certainly you want to have exposure to the fleet. They're going to cram two things together this year, this summer. My understanding is the, uh, the blocks are, well, we know this because this is what, um, who was it that the, the lax player that uh, Patrick told us that that's what he's doing? He's doing. Oh, yeah. His, yeah, he's doing his youngster cruise and then he's doing uh, protramid, you know, so there's no elective block. So, you know, you'll you'll have a youngster cruise experience. You'll get some fleet time. So they'll they'll do an audible. And, and I think we'll graduate, you know, fine naval officers. Um, and again, let's just get this behind us. You know, right. Everybody's vaccinated now. Um, we're, we're, you know, coming out of the dark. Let's just get make this history and start to get back to normal for all the reasons that we want with respect to sports and crowds and everything else. But to be able to do all three phases of the Naval Academy mission completely and comprehensively once again. Um, so we don't have to have these conversations about what is they what did they miss and will it be OK? And, you know, um, I think the bottom line is. I agree with Chris that I put my faith in the way that Admiral Buck is executed and the commandant and uh, you know I think they're going to be good naval officers. here, here to that. Well I mean a lot of people don't know that the
0: equivalent of Herndon at West Point, as I can speak from personal uh, recollection is that you just have to march 16 miles from Lake Frederick uh, back to West Point at the end of the summer, which, is not as fun as climbing a greased obelisk. Um, You certainly get more shaped, but yeah, I I hear you, but, you know, and and this is our segue to what we're going to do as a podcast going forward to commissioning week. We are absolutely ecstatic that commissioning week is going to happen. And as commissioning week approaches, we're going to talk to parents. We're going to talk to business owners in Annapolis Everything that you can look forward to when you arrive in Annapolis because it's going to be a little bit different. So, um, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk to Navy women's soccer leadership. We are also going to talk to Navy men's gymnastics captain Max Gerber. And then, as we go out, WAGS, Ward, and I and Chris are going to talk about what happened with men's and women's lacrosse and what the future looks like there. Stick with us. This is St. Second Sports.
4: You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. Now back to the pot.
0: All right. Hey, hey. So um, next up on the podcast, we are going to talk to Navy Women's Soccer Coach Karen Gabera, Navy Women's Soccer Freshman Katie Herman, who scored the Galazzo against uh, Loyola, and also Christina Junchapunyan, the captain of the team whose work rate uh, the other night was absolutely amazing. Uh, we're going to talk to them about what it took to beat Loyola and what lies ahead in terms of going up to Hamilton, New York, to play in the Patriot League final. Here is Bill Wagner's conversation with Karen Gabera.
1: I guess first and foremost, why don't you just tell me your thoughts? I'm
5: really excited for seniors. Mm-hmm. It's just been a roller coaster this year, you know, for, for all Division One athletes, but we've been through a lot um, together and they're a wonderful group. Their leadership has been phenomenal and they've really guided us to this point. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited that they get to go to a Patriot League final. Uh, it's always our goal you know, to, to win Patriot League and to and to try to win the finals. So we're, we're you know, going to sit back tomorrow and go through some things that we can work on. Um, and know I thought we played a very good game, but we can be better. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain areas where Loyal exposed us a bit, and we got to work on that so we can fine-tune for the final.
1: So you controlled possession in the first half, but you didn't get a lot of dangerous chances. I think Tran had the only... Shot on goal. What did you say at halftime? Did you change strategy or game plan at all, or did you just tell the team we got to really pick up the pressure?
5: Well, we actually didn't change because I thought we played some great soccer. We were creating chances. We were trying to get more numbers in the box because mm-hmm. we were serving a lot and we weren't getting numbers on the end of it. So really it came down to the tenacity and the grit in the box. You know, we needed someone to step up at a big moment and and, and, and make it happen. So um, we didn't have to change too much because um, I like the soccer we were playing, uh, but we kind of ratcheted up the intensity and, and, and the urgency to get a goal.
1: Talk about the game-winning goal. Um, you just saw it again, but you saw it live. Tell me your thoughts on the whole sequence.
5: Well, we've been, uh, you know, we had a week to train for, for this Loyola game, which is nice, you know. Oh, we yeah. had some ups and downs. Um, yeah. We had some ups and downs this spring with, with you know, the, the shutdown and some time away. But at this point, we had a good week to train for just to play this team. So, um, you know, we were patient and we were moving the ball and moving the mm-hmm. ball quickly. And if it's not on, you know, recycle, go out the other way. And so I liked our patience. Um, it was something we were very good at tonight and it created a lot of chances for us.
1: So Emily delivers her short pass back to Katie. She did a full spin to kind of lose the defender that was on her hip. Uh, and that was a tremendous turn on the ball and she just she killed it.
5: Yeah, our midfielders have been really solid, you know. Um they're all very tenacious but really good and composed on the ball. Um, you know, they kinda they're are engine in there and but they're also um kinda guide our attack and where we're going and the pace we play and, and if we spray the ball wide or attack centrally. So they played great today, but I do have to say our defenders have been great all year. Mm-hmm. They've been really good and there is some pressure in this game because Loyola got some you know transitional moments where they attacked and had counterattacks and those are scary, but Our our back line was really good and really strong today. And uh, I thought we defended really well up top as well. So we were not only creating chances, we were defending up top.
1: So do you think it was your midfield that controlled play, or did you think the defense midfield together? How would you characterize the ability to keep the ball in their defensive end for most of the game?
5: I think it's our whole team. I mean, we attack as a team, we defend as a team. So um, we work on that, and um, we try to stay compact because Mm -hmm. I think we're very good with the ball in tight spaces and moving the ball through. Um, some real, very little seams and finding little splits to center forwards in so we try to stay condensed and move together um, you know and loyal only had one forward up there and then the second forward underneath so it gave us the ability to spray the ball wide and keep the ball wide a little bit more tonight
1: so at the very end, they got a, a direct kick, and then they controlled it, and th- that opportunity was very strong. Maddie Gallagher reached up, punched it away. Your thoughts on that that moment where you're like, oh, my God, we've controlled play all this time, and now we're down to a minute? And
5: Yeah, well, that's soccer. You know, when you're down a goal, especially in a playoff, in a, in a big game, you gain a lot of energy and momentum, and that's what they did. And um, I think we – had some unnecessary fouls, and we served balls we shouldn't have, and we could have controlled that a little better. But we haven't had a lot of experience in big games this year, um, and we do have a lot of young ones on the field. So it's something definitely you got to work on moving forward.
1: So obviously you'd like to host the championship game. It's always better at home. But Colgate was, got you at the beginning of the year in a game that was just marred by a torrential downpour, hard even. Would you almost like to see Colgate again to make up for that?
5: Um, you know, it, it – you're right. I'd like to play Colgate again because of that game, and it would be a fun game, and we know them well, but um, I also would like to play at home. Mm-hmm. So um, it's one of those things I can't control. I'm going to focus on what we can control and just be excited that we're in the final.
1: So a rainy night here, and I thought the crowd was great. They had... A lot of mids out here, other supporters. I mean, I thought that was a pretty good crowd for a rainy evening. Were you pleased with that to get the support?
5: It's fantastic. I mean, these kids have played a lot this season without any fans or with just, you know, some midshipmen early on when it was open up in the fall. So um, it's just nice to get the support. We're really, we're really excited and and respectful that we got the support from from the brigade and a lot of the officers came tonight and the staff and it means a lot to us. And sometimes it's a difference between winning and losing, and mm-hmm. that crowd really helped us with our momentum tonight.
0: Awesome,
1: great, Karen. Thanks.
0: Next Navy Women's Soccer freshman, Katie Herman, the scorer of the wonder goal that sent Navy Women's Soccer to the Patriot League final.
6: Growing up, I waited for a moment like that my whole life. I think, uh, I mean, growing up on the soccer field, that's that's all you could want. And I think too, before the game, like. That confidence and that ability to play with like the best players out there. I'm on my team. I'm so grateful for my teammates and and it wasn't just like that goal that, that finished the game. It was every other second that my teammates put out there, um, and I'm so grateful for them. But yeah, that was man. I feel like I'm on cloud nine.
1: So is that your for the first career game-winning goal you've had in your career at any level?
6: Uh yes, sir.
1: Really? Okay. Uh, tell me how it developed. I mean, you all were controlling play. You were pressuring them. They were kind of back on their heels. I believe it was Emily Keast kind of put one back to you. Just kind of. Tell tell me how it went in your mind, how you s- envisioned it.
6: Yeah, definitely. I would say that our team did a great job of staying composed the entire game, and it was like in that moment when that really showed because we took the time instead of just like taking those shots um, when they weren't open. I think me and Emmy kind of both worked with each other to make sure that it was the right time, um, and then it just happened to be at my, on my feet when it was. So.
1: so. when you got the pass from her, you kind of turned to get yourself some space. You did a little three sixty. Is that just kind of tell me what you were thinking in that moment?
6: Man, I was. Uh, I remember I was facing backwards and I, I took a, a little roll touch. I. I often do that, but I didn't think I was going to have a shot on goal. And I think it was a quick look up um, and finished it. But it it really felt surreal, honestly.
1: I think you sent it right over the keeper's hands. I mean, I I was watching
6: it. I was like, is this going in? And then, yeah, that was the best feeling.
1: Um, So obviously uh, in the first half, you all controlled play, but you didn't put a lot of dangerous chances on, on goal. What did coach say at halftime? And were there any change in strategy or... You know, game plan in terms of how you approached the second half?
6: I think honestly the most important part was as a team we we really are looking to play like good soccer Um, and I think we've been waiting all year to let that show and at halftime I think we're really proud of the performance just keeping our composure and so at halftime we were like let's get out there and let's do the same thing but let's look for those moments and let's finish them that was actually our word of the week this week was finish Um, and so I just got the opportunity to I guess make it come to life.
1: Well obviously in a game like this uh, you know it's never over till it's over at the very end Loyola got probably its most dangerous chance of the entire game um Maddie Gallagher oh punches God. it awake what can you say about that save man
6: I give her the biggest hug Maddie is she's amazing and the composure she has in front of goal is just like at her age it's really crazy so I'm so grateful for her and um for that save yeah she's one of my best friends so
1: so obviously now you guys move on to the Patriot League Championship you're defending champs uh this is the whole goal but just talk about playing for a Patriot League Championship
6: man I have been waiting for that for a long time um, I'm super excited I've been uh, looking forward to it
1: all right fantastic and now to wrap up our coverage of
0: the women's soccer awesome win against Loyola, here's my conversation with navy women's soccer captain christina Junjapunyan, who who is playing on the right side and absolutely made a difference with her work rate enjoy this conversation christina today i'm telling you what your work rate absolutely impressive over there on the right side kind of a tough go of it in the second half or in the first half and in the second half you guys turn it around what was the secret
7: Yes, sir. I think it just came down to the fact that our, our coach Blank told us before that we don't play today. If we don't win today, there's no tomorrow. And just recognizing the importance and the vitality of that second half. Um, we got the confidence from the first half. We controlled the ball well, controlled the field well. And I think we just realized that that time was of the essence in making sure that we got one in the net.
0: So kind of some nervy moments there in the last two minutes, uh, particularly as Loyola gets the ball into the into your defensive half. Gallagher has to make a pretty good save there at the end. Where were you at? Were you just trying to survive or were you pretty confident that you were gonna make it?
7: Um, I'm always confident in my girls. I think just the critical piece is making sure that we're settled and we're calm and confident. Um, it's not a situation that we're unfamiliar with unfortunately uh, we like to make things a little interesting at the last couple of minutes but hopefully on the following game we won't have a similar occasion
0: so Herman's goal absolutely an, an amazing turn right there at the at the top of the six yard box what what did, did what was your uh, vantage point of the goal and and how did that energize you guys going forward
7: yeah absolutely Hermie she's just been a stellar plebe as she's been going in she's doesn't she doesn't play like plebe she's been phenomenal as she goes and she certainly deserved a goal and just making sure that we had that that number on that scoreboard really gave us the confidence in that, again, that composure that we were lacking, um, and it just let us have the courage to see us through the game.
0: Gotta be tired of playing in such great weather. I mean, the weather's been so good for you. I mean, tonight particularly in the second half right when you guys turned it on was r- when the weather really started to get crappy you know how much of a h- of a hindrance was that to you tonight or were you so locked in that you didn't really notice
7: uh, i'd say that we're so locked in um any any weather compared to our first game against colgate is beautiful <laughs> so just a bit of a drizzle we don't we don't mind it too much
0: all right so let's sing second on saturday right yes sir all right thank you so much that's christina ginger one nil win for navy against loyola let's see you on saturday All right, ladies and gentlemen, awesome conversation with the women's soccer team leadership. Here we are. We're going to talk to uh, men's gymnastics captain Max Gerber. He is in Minnesota. He is going to walk us through what they expect to gain from the NCAA championships in Minnesota and exactly how the scoring works, because I know I don't know how it works. Chris does. He used to be an uneven parallel bars expert, but the rest of us don't really know, so stick with us.
4: you're listening to sing second sports with john Schofield, ward carroll and special guest bill wagner of the annapolis capital if you like what you hear hit like below and share with your classmates and friends let us know how we're doing hit us up on twitter at we sing second that's at we sing second now back to the pod
0: all right hey hey we are back uh, at sing second sports as many of you know this weekend is the ncaa men's gymnastics championships and uh being able to get on the road particularly getting out of the hall and out of rom uh the men's gymnastics team under coach uh, kip simons traveling up to minnesota for this competition and, you know, in order to give us a better understanding of what exactly happens up there and exactly how um, gymnastics really works is team captain, Max Gerber, he is a firstie from Dix Hills, New York, um, fresh off of the recent ECAC championships. That's right. The third straight ECAC championship for Navy. Uh, again, as the team captain, he came in second on the high bar with a 1325 and now really hoping to make an impact at the NCAAs. So, Max, number one, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Hey, so first and foremost, you know, being able to get out of the hall and travel up to Minnesota for the NCAAs, particularly after being rommed in there and, and losing a bunch of time, particularly right before ECACs, as a team captain, as a leader, as someone who's about to go into the fleet here in two months, what a leadership challenge was that for you?
8: Um, well, luckily, uh, with having the the twenty three guys that I have on the team, uh, they they made my job a lot easier, and they were all they bought it immediately, right away. We uh, we knew we only had two weeks uh, to prepare for ECACs, and you know it was just the smoothest you know two weeks. I mean, it, it was it was tough that every practice we were you know sore and just. Working harder than we've ever had before, but I mean, the guys on the team just—they loved it, and we all—we all loved the grind, and you know, we were really just happy to be back in the gym. So, I mean, I guess the the leadership challenge um, was really to kind of keep everyone's you know eyes on the prize, and basically, and and you know, this what we want to do is achievable, and and we really can do this, but it has to be as a team and we have to work together
0: so well i would say that you and coach simons were successful in that and that you walked away with the ECAC championship uh ryan mcveigh um you know won the championship in the all-around tucson won the floor exercise carlson on the rings and uh keller on the vault and our favorite name in navy gymnastics giovanni giambattese uh on the high bar so, you know, as a team, Navy scored 68.15 points on the floor exercise, 64.2 on pommel horse. And I can go through all these numbers, but for the sake of our listeners, as we're about to embark on rooting for you during the NCAA championships, what does 68.15 points on the floor exercise mean? I think a lot of people have a very scant knowledge of how gymnastics works and an even smaller amount of knowledge about how the point system or scoring system works. Can you walk us through what goes into an individual score? Like for you um, getting a thir- 13.25 on the high bar or as a team getting 68.15 on the floor exercise really quick. How does, how does the point system work? Right. So that 68.15
8: is a uh, total score for, for five. On that event, five different guys. Um, so, uh, talking about one individual score, uh, let's go to high bar. Uh, you're going to have two components of your score. There's a difficulty and execution. Uh, the execution is out of a 10.0 scoring system. So, you know, if you do a really good routine and, and they only take off one point, you'll get a 9.0 for for your execution score. Added on to that is your difficulty. So, the higher your difficulty the higher your score will be uh so let's say you have a a 5.0 difficulty and a 9.0 execution you add the two together and you'll get a 14.0 which is a great score uh anything from like a mid 13 and up is a good score but uh a 14 and higher is uh, a fantastic score
0: all right so last question you know here you are you're you're in minnesota you know, you've got the chance to, to really put your stamp on your final year at the Naval Academy before you go out on the fleet, your final events uh, as a Naval Academy D1 athlete. Number one, what are your expectations as a team and as an individual coming out of Minnesota? And number two, when it's all done, where do you think your head's going to be knowing that you have competed in your last D1 event? Uh, so for the team, we,
8: we set out a goal of... Uh, ace so that's that's still a goal i do think that that's very achievable if we uh if we do what we know how to do uh individually i'm just looking to go out there and, and hit both of my events uh and, and do my job and, and really just to, to take it all in and, and have fun and enjoy my last competition uh afterwards um you know i, I just can't be more thankful for The four years that this program has given me, uh, I've learned a lot. I've met so many great people and, uh, I'm beyond blessed to be a naval, naval captain gymnast.
0: So when it's all done, uh, what did you, what did you service assign? Uh, Navy pilot. We wish you the very best of luck as you head down to Pensacola for, for new challenges after you graduate. Here's hoping that there's a regular commissioning week and something fun that your parents and your family can enjoy with you. But first off, First and foremost, good luck this weekend. Good luck to the team. Let's try to eclipse eighth and, and maybe, uh, maybe score a little bit better than that. And then with, with you, we, we wish you the very best of luck in your last competition. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. That was Max Gerber, the captain of the Naval Academy gymnastics team. When we come back, Ward Wags and I will take this baby out. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports.
4: You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. Now back to the pod.
0: So great talking to uh, the women's soccer leadership and also Max Gerber. As we go out, one of the things that we can't look forward to, unfortunately, and I'm going to defer to WAGS to break this down a little bit more, men's and women's lacrosse, they started out so well and then kind of ran into some speed bumps uh, with the Patriot League season. Um, Both are on losing streaks right now. Uh, WAGS, what does this mean going forward? Are they eligible for the NCAA tournament? Are they even eligible for the Patriot League tournaments? And then... What does the future look like for both of those teams? They can't bring people back for an extra COVID year like, you know, other major programs are doing. Is, is the future bright or is this like the, you know, are these the storm clouds on the horizon for lacrosse?
1: All very good questions, Johns. Here, here's where we stand. Navy lost to Loyola and Lehigh in both men's and women's lacrosse, and that's it. They're out of the Patriot League tournament. There's a South Division and there's a North Division. And Navy is out of the South Division by virtue of losses to Loyola and Lehigh on both the men's and women's side. Now, Navy did not, when, when they put out the press releases about Navy losing to Lehigh in both men's and women's lacrosse last weekend, they did not mention they were out of the Patriot League tournament because there is a chance that they will expand the Patriot League tournament, which is what happened in men's basketball. At the very end of the year, they suddenly changed the rules and said, hey, everybody's eligible for the Patriot League tournament. And that's how Loyola, Maryland, which would have been out under the previous rules, wound up in the semifinals.
2: So, who, so do we, who do we need to call, Wags? Like, is there a, uh, a letter campaign or a, can I call my I, congressman? Or what, what can we do to have help them come to this, this decision to expand?
1: That's a very good question. Well, here's my, I think because the soccer tournaments went forward with just four teams, they're not going to budge. And I think that they're going to do lacrosse as four teams and in that model we're out navy men's and women's across are out we we didn't make it we didn't qualify didn't make the ncl the uh pager league tournament and it'll be other teams so really they're just playing out the string at this point the last big game i will say this next saturday april 24th is a big important day Navy plays Army and Men's Lacrosse, and Bill Belichick, the legendary Hall of Fame coach of the New England Patriots, is going to get the key to the city of Annapolis during the game, probably at halftime, with a really big ceremony. So next Saturday's game, Army-Navy, does mean something. Not only is it the star game, and not only is it a chance for Navy to fuck to get back and prove that they got something by beating the Army. But Bill, Bill Belichick is going to be in attendance, and he's going to get this key to the city of Annapolis. So, I mean, it, it, that
0: should be motivation enough. And um, we still have a lot of young kids coming back on both sides of the ball. If you're Cindy Temschel, Ward Carroll, Um, Or Joe Amplo for that matter. How do you take the frown and turn it upside down next year? We have a lot of good players coming back, but both squads lose a lot. Um, Going forward, do you think that the future is bright or do you think that COVID has adversely affected recruiting in this measure in that a lot of kids are like, well, there's enough unknown out there. Uh, with COVID, I also don't want to throw another variable in there that I might have to go to Afghanistan or Iraq or Syria or something like that. Whereas, not I mean, this is, a ge- this is a, yeah, not Afghanistan anymore, but is this a generational thing where you just, you're so far removed from nine eleven that you have, you have less of a taste in, you know, young people to go to service academies because I don't know if I'm them, I start getting worried.
3: So we started the question at 500 feet, and now we're at like 45,000 feet. Um, I, let's, let me bunt the nose and go back to 500 feet. I think what a Tim Schull or a Amplo can do this year is kind of take a play out of the Coach Ken playbook, which is COVID was such an asterisk on the season that you can take that 28-day break and go – that was the difference in terms of how we came out after the 28-day break, and that cost us the season. So just go, let's punt on this spring season, and let's reconstitute and come back next year stronger. Now, with respect to the recruiting situation, if you have a, a blue-chip prep schooler who's like, I don't want to go to Afghanistan, hey- Mr., I don't want you to come to the Naval Academy, right? I I will see your hesitance to go to serve your country. And and thank you very politely for not showing up here, right? Now, with respect to the quality of lacrosse that they'll be walking into, I don't think that's been tarnished at all. you know. And I think both men's and women's teams, well-coached. We saw some bright spots. We saw some complete blowouts where we owned the game. Um, and we were, let's remind the audience that at one point we were undefeated uh, on both the men's and women's side. Um, and then, you know, we got, we got our tails handed to us, uh, you know, in rapid succession. But with respect to, I completely agree, agree with what WAG said about the Army-Navy game, you know, and this was the sort of running joke in the pre George Welch days of Navy football was you can have, you can lose to everybody, but if you beat Army, that's a winning season. And so that's the case now. If we beat Army, then we dismount with, you know, nailing it. And uh, we'll, that'll be, that'll set the tone uh, in a way that is, is great going forward. Because from my understanding and
0: WAGs, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Army on the men's or women's sides uh, they're not going to the Patriot League tournament or the NCAA tournament either, right?
1: Uh, Army men's lacrosse is very good. Oh, okay. They are. They're out. They beat Syracuse. Uh, it'll be a heavy lift to beat Army in men's lacrosse. Um, I think we already beat Army in women's lacrosse. We did. Yep. Army, Navy uh, came them. back in one 13, 12. Yeah, right. Navy, that, 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 you're right. We're talking about army, Navy men's lacrosse. It's going to yep. be a heavy lift. Army's good. They are outstanding. They're a very, very, very good team. It's next Saturday, April 24th, Bill Belichick key to the city. And uh, let's hope that Bill Belichick brings some luck to Navy.
0: So as oh, we're going Belichick
3: out,
1: is getting the key
0: to the city. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Gavin Gavin Buckley's been trying to give him the key for like three years. Uh, They just couldn't they couldn't schedule it. So, yeah, he'll be he will be in town. So um, that'll be fun. Hopefully we can bring you that. Other
1: stuff going on. um, Hey, John. John, Oh, go ahead. While we're talking about Bill Belichick, he called me out of the blue to talk about Alan Pastrano, who was a great, great Person they were, they were high school classmates, were they not? No, no. He was, Alan Pastrana is a little older than Bill Belichick. Okay, But Alan Pastrana is a legend of Annapolis and an amazing athlete, uh, all-county wrestler, all-state football player and lacrosse player at Annapolis High School. Went on to, an, to a University of Maryland, became the starting quarterback at University of Maryland, played lacrosse only one year. As a sophomore, he played lacrosse and was first-team All-American as a defenseman and lacrosse. That's what kind of athlete we're talking about. And we lost Alan Pastrana due to COVID, and it's heartbreaking. And you and I, because we both have connections to the family, it was very, very difficult. But I'm down in Charleston, and I hear – Bill Belichick calls me up out of the blue because he wants to talk about Alan Pastrana. He's like, what's, what happened with Alan Pastrana? How in the world is Alan Pastrana dead? And Bill Belichick, his word was, he was the best football player in the history of Annapolis high school. That's that was Bill Belichick's statement. So uh, we got it. And, and that's not hyperbole. I mean, it's true. Yeah. God rest. Yeah. God rest the soul of Alan
0: Pastrana. And and again, um, you know, I, I I made note of this, but Alan Pastrana was a great man to my kids. Uh, his his daughter lived right across the street from me for years and years. We're still very good friends with them to this day. And Alan Pastrana would not miss an opportunity to mentor my kids to show my middle son. how to to handle a lacrosse stick, how how to talk to my kids about the value of hard work. Alan Pastrana did that. And let's not forget that he eventually went on to the NFL and played quarterback for the Denver Broncos and handed off to a guy named Floyd Little. Pretty good career, but a much better man who made an impact on Anne Arundel County and Annapolis going forward. So Pour one out for Alan Pastrana. What a great man. What a great part of Annapolis sports lore. As we go forward, men's track and field, women's track and field, hosting the Navy Invitational on Friday and Saturday. Um, Men's golf is at Army for the star match. Uh, Good luck to Pat Owen and all of them going up there. And then swimming and diving is at Army as well. Uh, Women's lacrosse is playing Colgate on Saturday um, at Navy Marine Corps Stadium, men's lacrosse at Loyola, and then the big women's soccer match against Colgate in Hamilton, New York at 2 p.m. on Saturday. If you do want to cheer on uh, men's gymnastics as they compete in the NCAA championships, it is being broadcast on the Big Ten Network. Um, Talk to Coach Simons tonight. Please tune in. Please support them as they go forward. And you know, here we are. We're, we're in late April. If I'm a firstie, I'm looking forward to graduation. And as we go out, I'm going to ask Warden Chris, as you got to late April, where was your mindset? You know, Were, were you just looking forward to commissioning? Like senioritis is one thing at a place like Villanova or Duke or places like that. But how, how did this last month? really impact you um, and how do you think it's gonna impact these kids in that they're not gonna have the croquet match, they're not gonna have a traditional commissioning week, although they're gonna have a commissioning week. As we go out, give us some of your memories from your commissioning weeks. Well, for me, um, I I didn't really, I
2: mean, I, I think I had senioritis for four years. Like I was ready to graduate right after pleep summer was done. Uh, but I, I think as a firstie, I it wasn't until we got to go home for the week to ten days in between um, your exams and graduation that I got really anxious and really really excited ab- ab- about. you you know, uh, what was on the, on the horizon. So I, I suspect that these folks, while they've probably peaked at the calendar, they're still very much in the, you know, getting through their hall commitments, getting through their, uh, academic commitments and maybe a week or two away from really, really getting excited
3: about, uh, you know, commissioning day. Yeah. I mean, I remember the time between spring break and commissioning week was a blur. And um, I didn't have any academic concerns. I, I was not by that time. It's pretty solid two seven QPR kind of guy. Um, so, but to Chris's point, you know, you're you're focused on the alligator closest to, to the canoe, and, and there's so many things in front of you that you got to have, you know, medical records and check out and. Figure out how you're going to get down to you know my case down to Pensacola and you're going to take basket leave and are you who you going to room with down there and and get your family in for commissioning week and do you have a rental house and you know all of that stuff and then you throw your cover in the air and it's over and and uh, I my recommendation to the firsties who are listening is savor the friendships savor the bubbas in your company um, take stock in, in what you've done together. And, and, you know, it's been on, on, uh, you know, on, on full afterburner in terms of the challenges in the COVID environment. So for the class of 21, that's basically been a year and a half, three semesters worth of, of, uh, technically a year, but, you know, a year and a half in terms of academic stuff of dealing with this, but, but, you know, you guys have leveraged, Uh, elements of the experience that are very unique and you've gotten through with each other. So, you know, when you go away, um, that thing that was your company or your team or your ECA or just the guys and girls you like to go on liberty with, that ceases to be. And uh, don't let it be five, 10 years down the road when you take stock in it. Kind of appreciate it right now. That would be my recommendation. So, in the thirty days we have left, or whatever it is, um, seriously appreciate the folks who've gotten you through uh, the academy and and uh, and celebrate that in whatever fashion you can. And then when you have your week, you know. And I, I think last year the class of twenty really did show resilience and pluck with how they faced this down and they were able again kudos to to the dot and the soup with how they put together a really challenging five different times commissioning ceremony in t court and in one of them they actually had the blue angels fly over and do their you know bombers thing right over t court um you know so they didn't complain or go woe is me and You know, I'm not able to have my normal thing. They just did it and then they went to the fleet. And what we've heard back from them is they didn't miss a step. That's the other thing. Um, The fleet isn't like waiting for COVID to end before they start, you know, creating winged pilots and SWOs and nukes and, and qualified infantry officers they didn't stop a bit. In fact, deployments have been longer and more challenging. There's things going on, as you've heard. Yes, Afghanistan is over. But guess what? There will be no fewer deployments as a function of Afghanistan. You know, that's what the public doesn't seem to get. We're bringing the troops home. okay? but you're not coming home. You're going to go on cruise, you know, and and we fight the war between the wars. So that's the good news. So anyway, I'm going off here. But uh, um, my memories are that it was a blast that you actually, it's one of those times in life when you can feel and appreciate the moment, um, and so do so. And as we have
0: about six weeks left between the time of this taping and graduation day or commissioning day, uh, Sing Second Sports will continue to bring you updates about what commissioning week will look like and what possibilities exist out there, what deals exist um, at the local bars and restaurants in Annapolis where you can go, where you can't go, advice for parents and sponsors and friends and family. We're going to try to make this as good of an experience as possible, making lemonade out of the lemons. So hopefully we get a ton more lemonade out of this weekend. Let's not forget that baseball has Bucknell uh, at home on Saturday at 3.30 PM. Then they have to go back up to Bucknell um, uh, at 2 PM on Sunday to play them. It's certainly very possible that baseball is in the postseason conversation, too. So let's root for them. Let's root for all the sports. Thank you again to um, men's gymnastics, uh, Captain Max Gerber, uh, Coach Kim si- Kip Simons, and then also Navy women's soccer. By the time this comes out, we'll be a day away from the Patriot League final up in Colgate. Let's root for them. Let's root for all of the sports to bring it home strong and then get to commissioning and commissioning week. Uh, with really good memories for Chris Cervello, Ward Carroll, and Bill Wagner. I am John Scopio. Thank you for listening to Sing Second Sports. We'll see you next week. We are out.
4: The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.